You're very welcome. It's good to see you. You're warmly welcome in the Saviour's precious name and those that have joined us through live stream. Uh, thank you for joining with us. Uh, let us begin with this opening hymn, 485. Give me a sight, O Saviour, of thy wondrous love to me, of the love that brought thee down to earth to die on Calvary.
prayer tonight. We thank you for bringing us to the place where prayer is offered, where we take time to worship thee midweek. We thank thee for what we have already been thinking about and meditating upon in our hearts and in our souls. And we confess how little we know of Christ's boundless love. How little we know of what he really did for us. How little we are touched by those nails and by that whip and by that awful darkness that he endured. And we do pray, well, help me understand it. Help me to take it in. What it meant to thee, the Holy One, to bear away my sin. We thank you, Lord, for that love that fastened our Saviour to that tree. We thank you for that love that caused thee to send thine only Son into this cruel and cursed earth in order that we might become thy children. And we praise you tonight that we have the title deeds for glory. We have the title deeds for heaven. And they are as sure as if we were there. They make it absolutely certain that we will be there. For our lives, we are told, are hid with Christ in God. And these title deeds are locked away, held secure by the promises of God and by the blood of the everlasting covenant. And therefore, we can come into thy presence knowing that we are your children, your adopted children. But those adopted children with all of their rights, the sons and daughters of God. And it is not a presumptuous thing to say that we are the children of God. Because you've given us the power, the authority, whereby we can call ourselves by this wonderful and blessed title. We thank you that we are thine and that thou art ours. We praise you for that sweet assurance that we have beating in our hearts tonight. We thank you for each one that is gathered out. We thank you for... Each one joining us through live stream. We pray you would speak to our hearts and bless our souls and pour out your spirit upon us. And we will know your presence. In the Savior's name we ask all of this. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing another hymn. We're turning to the hymn 452 now. Thy way, not mine, O Lord, however dark it be, O lead me by thine own right hand, choose out the path. For me, this hymn was written by Horatius Bonner. Tonight in the Bible study, I want to make reference to Andrew Bonner, his brother. And the Bonner brothers were a great blessing to uh, 19th century Presbyterianism in Scotland. And Horatius, I suppose, perhaps is the better known of the two because of the hymns that he wrote. And this is one of those hymns.
Turn in the Word of God to the book of 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3, and we'll read from the verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be, and all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the longsuffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, to him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. We know that God will bless the reading of his word to our hearts. Let's just pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word written upon our souls for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. This week we have crossed the line that separates one year from the next. We often associate New Year with good wishes, plans, and ambitions. In the spiritual realm also, we do become motivated by New Year. There is the beginning of a new Bible reading scheme, perhaps, or the opening of a new daily devotional. And this new year will bring new hopes, but also new trials, new challenges, new difficulties. Of that we can be sure. But there will also be new opportunities and new avenues of service, sometimes in the mysterious economy of God's providence the challenges become the opportunities because God works things out in his own amazing way. Andrew Bonner was a 19th century gospel minister. He was a great diary writer. He kept a diary throughout his life from, he was a teenager, I think, that was a long time because he lived until he was uh, 
well as Ailey's. <coughs> and I took a little look through Andrew Bonner's diary to see what he said at the start of every year. And it's interesting, he has some wonderful things to say at the start of a new year. For example, on the 1st of January 1831, when he was 21 years of age, he wrote, I am to begin today the practice of learning a little of the Bible by heart every morning before breakfast. And then on the 1st of January 1838, seven years later, he said, Yesterday was a happy day throughout, near to Christ, and seemed to get answer from him all the day. On the 14th of January 1854, and I just selected these a little at random, different periods of his life to show you that through it all there was consistency. There was the same desires, there were the same ambitions, the same thirst for God at the start of every year. The 14th of January 1854, he said, began the year with our special prayer. And then on the 1st of January 1862, this is a little longer, this quote. Another year near the great eternity and the great day of the Lord. And looking back over the past year, I am struck with noticing how comparatively little of conversion among my people has been taking place during these last four months. Lord, let not this continue so. He was a man who lived through revivals. He saw more than one revival during his ministry. And in the midst of his diary, he sometimes makes reference to the souls and his desire to see souls and when there was a lean time he took that very hard 1868 the 2nd of january he said lord this year may the spirit fill my soul revealing the fullness of christ to me from day to day but then we skip forward to the 1st of january 1890 the year in which he would turn 80 uh, two years before his death and this is the longest quote of all and he's now a man who's fairly elderly and he's been writing this diary over the years does he feel as if he's made it with Christ there's no more to learn no more to discover is he living in complacency well he's not just listen to what he says at that advanced age the stream of life flows on, and I seem borne down to the ocean without very much concern. By that, you'll see that he meant, I feel as if I'm born in the stream of life to the great ocean of eternity, and I don't have much concern in my own mind. Then he said, Holy Ghost, fill me. More carefully than ever, I hope this year to give two hours before going out every day to meditate on the word and prayer. And in this way there shall go out of me heavenward rivers of living water that will bring down refreshing rain showers. Sometimes I have an awful fear of becoming a backslayer. Lord, Lord, wilt thou keep me? There are challenging words coming to us down through the centuries from a dear man of God, inspiring words. And it is with this in mind we're going to consider Peter's final apostolic words of, as a writer of inspired scripture 
to the people of God under the title New Year, New Result. The final words that we have recorded that Peter said to the church are found in this 18th verse of 2 Peter 3. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Now Peter wrote these words within the context of a, a very wicked world, a corrupt world, an evil world. A world that was much more corrupt and much more evil than the society we live in, if you can ever imagine that. And Roman society was, mark my words, you couldn't even begin to speak of the horrors and the depravities of the old Roman Empire. It was shocking to the extreme. And that was the world these apostles ministered in. They established churches and they won souls and that was the world that these young and early Christians had to serve God in. And whenever you look at 1 Peter 2, verses 1 and 2, notice what he says. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. His big concern wasn't just the wickedness of the world, but the wickedness that was infiltrating the people of God. There were false teachers, false prophets, bringing the wickedness of the old Roman world in amongst the people of God. This becomes apparent within the immediate context of these verses, this text in 2 Peter 3.18. You look at the, the first line of, of this third chapter. He says, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you. In both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of the apostles of the Lord and Saviour. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. And, and where in that day? There are so many in there scoffing the truth of God today. We're in those kinds of days, days that were similar to the days that Peter lived in. He's talking about people who walk after their own lusts in verse 3. He's talking about people who say, where is the promise of his coming? They're talking about people that deny the very idea of creation. And Peter goes on to talk about the evils of that world and the challenge it brought to the church of Christ. And then if you look at verse 17 of chapter 3, just before our text, he said, Ye therefore, beloved, Seeing you know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. He introduces the idea that God's people can fall from their steadfastness. God's people can lose it. Think of Andrew Bonner's words there as an elderly man. Fearful lest he should become a backslider. We all should be afraid lest we become backslidden and hard. And here Peter is fearful for God's people lest they fail from their own steadfastness. And so here in this text, in the verse 18, he says, but you're not to fail from your own steadfastness. You're not to be led away with the error of the wicked, but rather you're to grow in grace. Here is the cure for a backslidden soul. Here is the protection against losing out with God. Here is a good ambition for the year that lies ahead. Here is New Year, New Resolve.
but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Three simple things here we're going to consider. First of all, the growth to be desired. He says, but grow in grace. It is natural for the living to grow. Dead things do not grow, but living things do. And those who are born of the Spirit of God must be a growing people. That's the expectation. That is the natural consequence of God coming into our lives. Growth. And so we should pray this year that we should grow. We should pray that we will grow in faith. Faith is the, the root grace that God has given to us. Whenever God saved us, he gave us faith to begin with. But faith begins small. It is a constant need of strengthening. Faith grips the scripture. Faith clings to the promises. Faith gives us hope. And so therefore, for whatever lies ahead, we need faith. And we need a growing faith. We should pray for a growth of love. When we were first converted, God planted his love in our hearts. But love began as a spark. But every spark has the potential to become a great fire. And let's pray that the flame of love for God would burn within our hearts this year. And we should pray for a growth in humility. Pride is our greatest problem. Humility is our greatest need. But not the false humility that parades itself before people and takes a pride in being humble because that's not humility of course that's pride and we see a lot of that sometimes humility isn't merely about being humble before people humility is about being humble before God and nobody sees that but God the humble heart relies upon him trusts him, honours him we need more of that and we should long for an improvement in our prayer lives the need for growth will always be evidenced by our lack of praying. And who is there among us who prays as much as they should? Who is there among us that's really satisfied with their prayer life? We should pray that God would make us mighty in prayer this year. That we would know what it is to storm the battlements of heaven, claiming God's promises for his church. One of the great biblical metaphors for God's people in the scriptures are trees. Trees represent stability and continuity. Their growth is slow but sure. Their roots go ever downward and as their roots go downward their branches go upward and the trunk strengthens and the leaves develop and the leaves are there for a shade during the summertime and they're there for food and the trees outlast the winter blasts and they're there in the midst of a lovely summer's day. The trees are there summer and winter, year after year, generations come and go, the trees are still there. As trees, we should pray that we will grow and be a stabilizing influence in a broken world. We have this spoken of in Isaiah 61 verse 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We often quote those words, but what about what comes after? That they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. We use that phrase to describe a group of trees. They're planting. 
God has placed his people in this location and we're the planting of the Lord. A forest that God has placed in the midst of the wilderness to serve him and to be a testimony for him. In a broken world, there is much benefit from the people of God as we grow as trees. And then as trees, we must pray that we have deep roots in God's word. As the blessed man in the Psalm 1, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And the fruit of his prosperity, the, the proof of his prosperity is found in his location. That's the secret, planted by the rivers of water, where the roots go down into the river. And we need roots that go down into God's word. And that alone is what will stabilize us. We pray that we will be fruitful in the house of God, amongst the people of God, being an encouragement and an example. In Psalm 52, verse 8, we read, David's ambition, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of the Lord forever and ever. As we are amongst God's people, we need to be an encouragement to each other, like green olive trees. Not someone who's a discouragement to others, but a help to one another as we bear each other's difficulties and problems and burdens. Another biblical example is natural maturity, human maturity. Children graduate beyond the built to solids. And so God wants our spiritual diet to change, that we might be strengthened in order that we might become strong, in order that we might grow. Turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 5 for a moment. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 5 and the verse 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not a strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is vain. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use of their senses exercise, to discern both good and evil. It's interesting here in Second Peter chapter 3, Peter is concerned. Concerned for God's people, lest they fall from their steadfastness. And he is concerned because there are false teachers abroad who will take the words, especially the words of the Apostle Paul, twist them, distort them, lead God's people astray. And the reason why God's people would be led astray was because they had failed to exercise discernment. God wants us to be a discerning people, to know the truth, to know why we believe what we believe, to be strong in our faith. That if someone ever comes and preaches something wrong, Know that's wrong. You know why it's wrong. We need that kind of ability as God's people. But we will only have that ability when we learn to take the strong meat of the word. We can't live forever. Milk will become malnourished as Christians. And we do live in a shallow world. And one of the products of the shallow world is a shallow Christianity amongst God's people. And so we need to be growing and our diet needs to be strengthened. 
And then there's another thought here about the growth of children. Children have their toys. And the toys serve a purpose. Toys are a child's way of learning to grow up, of role-playing the future. But there comes a time when the toy has to be set aside and adult pursuits need to be pursued. Education's over. Time to go to work. And the person becomes more serious, more purposeful, because there's growth there. And the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So may God deliver us from childish Christianity. And may God give us an adult and a mature Christianity, a growing Christianity. That's what we need. That's what the Church of Christ needs in this age. We need growth. But secondly, this thing about the knowledge to be pursued. And Paul shows us how we can have this growth. Because he talks about the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He ties the two things together. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now, this is more than a head knowledge. It's more than just an academic acquaintance with Christ's life, ministry, and theological skills. Now, all of that's important. It's important we know the facts. We know more of the facts. And the more we read the Gospels, the more we'll discover of Christ. It's vital that we know about Christ's ministry and the miracles and his sayings and his words. And it's vital we understand something of the theology and doctrine of Christ. Who is he? The, the, the mediator, the one who stands between us and God, the great work ministry of Christ, his death and resurrection. The theological significance of all of that is so, so important. But in the midst of all of that, there ought to be a thirst, a desire to know more of Jesus himself personally. Know all of the facts will be of little consequence if we do not become intimately acquainted with him in heart and soul and mind. That our heart might throb with the heartbeat of Christ, that we might walk every day and step with Jesus Christ. So vital that we know Jesus Christ in our lives. That our footsteps would partner his steps. That our prayers would be in harmony with his prayers. This was the desire of the great Apostle Paul. You know, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. Just turn over with me please to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3 and the verse 7. He said, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. The Apostle Paul had many achievements. The Apostle Paul had the academics. He had the status in society. He was a high flyer in the Jewish Sanhedrin. And yet he counted all of that but dumb, filth of the earth, 
because he had discovered the prize that was in Christ. And he had this great ambition that I may know him. Now, this is the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Not merely a head knowledge. Not just knowing the verses of Scripture and be able to recite them. It's good to know and important to know that. But there must be something more. The transformation of the heart. The Word of God being printed upon the soul. That real living relationship with God and with Christ. That's what it's all about. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. When, when Paul suffered, when he was beaten by the Jews or incarcerated by the Romans or, to, or being stoned within an inch of his life, or when he was being shipwrecked, it was the sufferings of Christ that helped him bear it. He realized what Christ suffered for him and so he saw his relationship with Christ and all of that. He sees the power of his resurrection. The fact that he was alive in Christ. Nevertheless, I live, he said. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself, loved me and gave himself for me. There was that connection with Christ. That alone will give us strength for the journey. That alone will help us grow in grace. One third thought here. We notice the growth and the knowledge, but let's look at the glory, the glory to be achieved. Paul, Peter signs off with a doxology. The word doxology comes from the Greek word doxos, which, which means glory. It is a giving of God the glory. And that's how he ends. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. This must be the great ambition of every Christian life. It must be the great ambition of every Christian endeavor. If whatever we do is not for the glory of God, it's not worth doing. If we can't do it for God's glory. If it's about me, if it's about us, it'll fail. It must be about the glory of God. But this will be the realization of eternity. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Notice the one that's getting the glory to him. Christ is the object of our ambitions. All that we seek to achieve must be for Jesus, for his honour to please him. To him. Let's say at the start of this year, Lord, it's to you. To you. For you, O Lord, you think of what he has given for us. What can we do for him? Only a progressive spirituality glorifies Christ. We may progress in other areas this year. But we may starve our souls to get that progress. And that is paying too high a price. And so it's vital that we reassess our time. We look at our priorities, we look at our goals, we look at where we're going in life, we take stock of where we are spiritually. The success of a government is often measured by the growth of the economy. And there's a general election this year, and it'll all be about growth, and that'll be what will be fought over and argued over. But as Christians, our progress is not measured by the Pounds we have in the bank, but by our spiritual output, our spiritual 
grow. That's how we're assessed. That's how we ought to be assessing ourselves. And so let us be resolved this year. Let's plan for growth. The growth of God's people. The growth of our own hearts. You know, if God's people grow, sinners will be added to the church. Growth is the most fundamental part to evangelism. And so often we get that the wrong way right. But if we're not right, sinners will not be saved. And so we need to be a growing God will only be glorified whenever we grow. And that's why Peter brings this in at the end. To him be glory both now and forever. But notice how this doxology ties together time and eternity. To him be glory both now and forever. Two things come together. Glory as we grow in grace, as we Developing the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour. There's glory for today, but there's glory for eternity. Time and eternity, they merge together as God is glorified. So often we, we live purely with time in mind. And eternity is in the background somewhere. We need to get that reversed. Time needs to be in the background. Eternity needs to be before our eyes. Because the glory that we give to God now is an eternal glory. That is something that lasts forever. That is treasure that will never be eroded. Inflation will not get at it. Thieves won't destroy it. It will never be destroyed. It's a glory that is forever. When we live for the glory of God, there's an eternal weight in that. There's an eternal value in that. We're investing in the bank of heaven. We need the perspective of eternal life to be shadowing our footsteps. And we're just here for a little while. Here for a season, then above. And as we become preoccupied with our own eternal lives, we will think of the eternal destinies of those that are not saved. To consider where we are going, we we'll consider where the unconverted are going. We'll seek to win them. Eternity is transformative. And Peter is saying here, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. May God give us a view and a mindset for the glory of God this year. The final word is amen. It means let it be so. New year, new resolve. Amen's a resolution. Every time we pray and we say amen, we're making a resolution. We're saying to God, let it be so. It's a word of conviction. It's coming before God and saying, I brought these petitions to you, Lord, these praises to you. Let it be so. Are we able to give a resounding amen to this text? But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. That's how it's going to be in my life. Amen, Lord. Let it be so. We don't want to lose out this year. We don't want to lose ground this year. We don't want to fall back this year. We want to go forward this year. And we want to grow this year. The Lord help us so to do.
Lord bless these thoughts to your heart and to your soul this evening. Let's get before the Lord for prayer. This evening's face. I want to thank everyone for joining us online. We'll say farewell to, to you now. And may the Lord bless you richly this year. And you be remembering us in prayer as we come before the Lord now at this time.